Welcome to Journey to Esquire, the podcast. I'm Jocelyn Hardrick, founder and president of Diversity Access Pipeline, Inc., the company behind this podcast and other great programs like Journey to Esquire Scholarship and Leadership Program, which provides $2,000 cash scholarships to third-year law students and internships to second-year law students, along with leadership training and mentors. And Journey to Esquire, the blog, which provides insightful articles to help navigate you through law school and beyond. Find out more on our website, www.journeytoesquire.com. Hey, have you heard about Anchor? It's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that let you record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer, just like I'm doing now. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so you can hear it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. I am currently a 3L at Stetson College of Law. So I learned about the Diversity Access Pipeline program um, from a career source mentor at Stetson. Um, She presented the program to me as a partnership with Jiba. I was looking for help (laughs) for the bar because I was like, it's expensive. (laughs) And so I thought, like, going into it, I assumed it was like, you know, like the regular bar prep um, scholarships that they that that are usually offered, and I found out that it was so much more. I learned that diversity access pipeline was going to help us to become better lawyers overall and in everything that we were doing. Um, I I realized this very early on when I got the email back saying that I had an interview, and I was like, yay. And then I saw that we had to do a presentation, we had to do all these different things, and I was like, okay, this is serious, this is more, this is much different than the usual um, bar prep scholarships that are offered. So for me, the application process, um, it was interesting because it showed that they cared about us and they cared about the work that we were putting out. So some of the things that we had to do for our application process is we had a presentation and in that presentation we addressed our law school experience focusing about the theory of law, um, the practice of law, and something we learned about ourselves so far in law school. My overarching theme was details matter. With that, I believe that details matter in the practice of law, and they matter in law school as well. You know, making sure everything, you focus in on the details, and it can change the outcome as it comes, as it goes along. We also had to do a writing sample, which was like, I believe, like 30 to 40 minutes, and we did a writing sample um, about what, how the interview process was going so far. We also had a proofreading exercise, a group interview, and a one-on-one interview. So like this interview process, it was long, it was draining, but it gave me hope. It gave me hope that I would learn something from this even if I didn't get the scholarship. Thank God, I got the scholarship. (laughs) I got the scholarship and um, we were up and running and some of the things we had were the modules. Um, The modules were super helpful for us because they kind of encompass 
everything that you needed as a lawyer and lets you see that there's a lot that goes into the law. There's a lot of things that impact you, and there's a lot of things that you need to be focusing on and getting ready as a law student. So some of the modules we learned was lawyer wellness, bar review, federal clerkship, time management, diversity, legal writing, mentoring, all things that um, we all already spoke about. Um, but I have lawyer wellness in the middle, as many of the other scholars have addressed. That was one of my favorite programs, because in law school, we don't have <laughs> very great wellness. So um, I think it was important to see that you know um, the competitive environment, it does drive us and it does make us nervous. It does m allow us to start forming bad habits, but we still need to focus on ourselves, and I think that was really important. Um, so another impactful module for me was the federal clerkship module. And in that module, we learned about federal clerkships and that opportunity, and it kind of opened my eyes to this different job opportunity that I wasn't looking at before. Um, one of my goals is to become a judge, so I think an opportunity like that was, will go to sh help me to become a better judge and realize what I need to do going forward to get in that path, and I think working under a judge is the best way to get that kind of experience. So with the lawyer wellness module, it, it was the most impactful for me. And another thing that goes into the diversity access program was a journal article. So I wrote my journal based off the wellness module. And um, the wellness module, it, it was so impactful because of the fact that I can see it happening as I am in law school. We all know that lawyers have terrible wellness <laughs> and we need to get better at it. And there are a lot of bar associations that are doing work to kind of help lawyers get, get help with their illnesses and substance abuse and alcohol abuse. But for me, my view was that it needs to start in law school. The, the basis of my um, journal article was based on the statistic that I found. And this statistic found that in law school, that 17% of law students experience some level of depression 14% experienced severe anxiety, 23% had mild or moderate anxiety, and 6% reported serious suicidal thoughts in the past year. As to alcohol use, 43% reported binge drinking at least once in the prior two weeks, and nearly one quarter, or 22%, reported binge drinking two or more times during that period. One quarter fell in the category of being at risk for alcoholism. And for me, that statistic spoke so loudly. I am in law school and I see how easy it is for you to go to alcohol, for you to go to substance abuse. And I think that sometimes it's the norm. We kind of see it like a lot of students at my school, they, you know, they go to a bar every week on, on the dot. You know, everybody's gonna go to that bar. And it's normal. And I think that we're focusing on it too late because these these traits and these habits are developing while we are in law school and focusing on what we can do to help students before they get to the point of it being too late is really important. So some of the solutions that I came up with, um, I'm sorry, before that, one of the most worrisome aspects about the rates of illness um, listed above is that many students um, are aware of the issues that they have 
And the study also found that 42% of students need help for poor mental health, but only half of, it, half of them are seeking it out. So students know that they have these issues, but not a, not a lot of students are actually going to places to get help for those issues, and that is a severe problem. You know, showing students that it's okay to seek help and they shouldn't feel ashamed if they do have these issues, and then showing students that a lot of students are struggling and a lot of them are going to these sources, alcohol and substances, illegal substances, to, show re to get relaxed or, you know, to cope in, in this stressful environment is important so that they can see that, you know, these are not traits that they need to bring with them into the legal profession. So um, I, one of my solutions were that law schools could have a mandatory wellness program in their 1L year. I think 1L year is super important. It's so stressful. This is where you form your competitive spirit, where you kind of learn that, you know, maybe I need to lose sleep. Maybe I need to be drinking coffee and doing all these um, unhealthy habits. So if you're teaching students at that stage when they first get in, like the rates, letting them know that you have a higher chance of being stressed and depressed and um, going to substance abuse, it can help them prevent and work ahead of time so that they don't develop those habits as they go on. Another one of my solutions was hiring at least two um, professional counselors for campus. Um, I know most campuses have professional counselors, but I think having two is important because there's a 42% of students that are not going to help, but the other percent, percentage are going to help. And I know with, with a lot of the counselors, they are busy and they don't have enough time to support the, the amount of need that, that they need to be helping. So um, having two will allow students to have more access to um, help that way. And then the last more obvious suggestion is for law schools to discourage or eliminate altogether alcohol-centered events. And then, um, okay, so overall the diversity access pro pro pipeline program has given me the confidence in my ability to be, good, uh, be a good lawyer. We spoke about how, you know, being, having the imposter syndrome and being a diverse candidate, it's kind of scary, it's kind of daunting because you don't know what is out there to expect. I don't look like the people that are normally applying. I'm, there's not a lot of people in the practice that, do look, that does look like me. So it's kind of daunting and it makes you feel like you don't really have that support system. But through DAP, I had that support system. I had mentors. I learned that you know there are people there looking to help me and making sure that I succeed. So going forward, I would like to stay involved in DAP in a few ways, um, including participating in the modules, whether it be being a speaker or you know just being there to help Ms. Jocelyn in any way that she needs. Also, being a mentor for the future students in the program. Um, I think that we already have a mentor, but I think that also having you know a mentor who was in the program and knows what they're going through is important as well to, to give them the extra help that you need because you can never have too many mentors. And then the last um, would be to be spreading the word to current 1Ls and 2Ls. Um, as the president of BALSA at Stetson right now, I have already been doing that, and a lot of students are showing interest. <laughs> so um, definitely just letting them know how great this program is and showing them that there are people out here to help you and there are people who 
are going to be on your side and ready to help you in any way that you need. So with that, Good evening, my name is Brielle Tucker. I'm a 3L at Stetson University College of Law, and I've styled my presentation tonight as a letter to the most important woman I've ever known. Dear Grandma, <laughs> I have to give a presentation about my experience as a diversity access pipeline scholar. DAP is a new program that I was blessed to be a part of this year. I know what you're thinking, baby girl, how do you have time to do anything else? Well, that's exactly what I wanted to tell you. This program has taught me the true meaning of balance. And I'm not just talking about that work-life balance that people always talk about, but this idea that you can truly have it all. Since you've been gone, I've accomplished much more than you or I have ever imagined. After graduating with honors in Dean's List Distinction from the University of Tampa, that's right, I moved to Florida, and I decided that Tampa Bay was my new home. After graduation, I worked as a staffing manager for the world's largest staffing company, and I loved it so much that I realized that talking to businesses was kind of my thing. My analytical abilities that I credit you for since we spent hours trying to solve jigsaw puzzles made me realize that I had to put this inquisitive nature to use. So, in just 59 days, I'll be graduating from Stetson University College of Law. Balance is defined as keeping things in a steady position so it doesn't fall. During my tenure at Stetson, I've done a lot. I've been an ambassador, member of Moot Court, trial team, SBA rep, Ms. JD Fellow, sub-regional director of Sir Balsa, judicial intern to the Honorable Justice Honeywell, and ADAPT scholar. But I haven't fell. Although I like to stay busy, and I admit, I was worried about balancing the rigors of laws practice, bar associations, and outside organizations, this DAP program has finally made me realize that I can truly have it all. You see, we had modules that covered every concern that I had about law practice, and even those concerns I didn't know I had. In our wellness module, I learned several tips to survive a busy workday, such as taking the stairs when you want to skip leg day, or, <laughs> or making a morning routine that works for you. The, the beginning of the presentation gave a lot of insight on the importance of taking those small breaks. Those small moments such as walking to the water cooler may seem simple but effective because we often forget how much time we are actually staring at our computer screen. I also enjoyed learning about clerkships, which would be the opportunity to work under a judge and contribute to judicial decision making. I've met and networked with current, with current clerks and those who have had clerkships and gone on to do amazing things. We even had a module where we talked about solo practitioners. Now I know you always said, baby, be your own boss. And while I admit I've never given any thought to owning my own firm, it was amazing to see people that look like us doing so and doing well. One of the other great things about DAP is while learning all of these amazing words of encouragement and advice, I was able to do it virtually through video conferences. The flexible nature of this program allowed me to stay on top of all of my other obligations and remain dedicated to DAP. We write reflections after every module. And Grandma, I want to share with you a few lines from one of my first reflections. On December 2nd, I wrote, in a couple of years, I know I'll feel successful when I have a career that makes me excited to go into the office. 
There are several obstacles that I'm sure I'll face along the way. A huge obstacle will, in fact, be my own self-doubt. I relate strongly to what has been interpreted as imposter syndrome. However, as we have just finished this module on mentoring, I find it necessary to say that I feel blessed to have several mentors who have been able to help me through this feeling of self-doubt. Most of my mentors are black professional women who have, like me, faced adversity on their journey towards success. I seek their guidance and advice, usually to just vent or talk about what's going on. And I owe a great deal of my law school success to these women who have answered my call, planned a bite to eat, returned a missed call, or even FaceTimed when something was really going on. Grandma, although you're no longer here, I know I could always depend on you to lift me up when I felt down. And this program has allowed me to still have that. I've met colleagues and mentors throughout this program whose friendship is invaluable. After passing the bar in July, and yes, you taught me, always speaking into existence, <laughs> I will be a new associate at Bush Ross in Tampa, Florida. I am thrilled to be the first attorney in our family, the first one to attend and complete any type of graduate study, but most importantly, to be your granddaughter. This road has not been easy, but I thank God because the journey was surely worth it. Thank you, Diversity Access Pipeline, all of our sponsors, our supporters. We are truly lucky to be the first inaugural class, and I know from everything we've learned, we will truly have it all. Good evening, everybody. Um, my name is Jamima Pierre Zetren. Um, I'm 30 years old, and I am a 3L, graduating in 30 days, exactly from today. I'm definitely counting. Um, uh, from the Western Michigan University Thomas M. Cooley Law School. I am an editorial board member of the Western Michigan University Cooley Journal of Practical and Clinical Law. I am a Phi Delta Phi Legal Honor Society member. I'm a graduation marshal. Um, I have my associate's degree in criminal justice, and I have my bachelor's degree in criminology from the University of South Florida. And I also have my certificate in paralegal studies, and I am currently a full-time employee for Progressive um, Pip House Counsel's office as a uh, legal assistant. And I've been working throughout um, my whole career at Cooley, full-time, um, while going part-time at Cooley. I'm also a wife, and I'm also a mother, and I am a diversity access pipeline scholar. And my ultimate goal is to become a criminal prosecutor. Um, I first found out about the diversity access pipeline um, while I was at work, and I I'm a member, I'm a student member of the George Edgecombe Bar Association, and so I get the weekly emails, and I was scrolling through it, and I saw this opportunity for this scholarship, so I said, I, I'm perfect for that. <laughs> so, <laughs> and it was about diversity, so I said, uh, duh, I'm going to apply. So <laughs> I applied. I thought it was just going to be some scholarship that they were just going to give, and that was going to be the end of it. But I did some research. <laughs> I did some research, 
into the program and I said, hmm, this is really interesting. I'm definitely interested in this now. And then when we got to the interview process and I was like, whoa, this is gonna be a lot of work. But I realized that the program basically is a supplement to law school. It teaches you all the things that law school doesn't teach you. As everybody else was saying, all the different modules were very eye-opening and very um, inspirational because we're basically talking to the people that are doing the work that we wanna do and they're basically giving us insight into how they, how they got to where they got to. And so every module was excellent, every module was interesting and for me one of basically the three takeaways big takeaways that I took away from the diversity access pipeline program um, the first one for me was practice makes perfect so when I say practice makes perfect I mean in anything that you feel like you're not doing well at it, you have to practice at it. You have to constantly do it over and over and over again until you become good. So with the writing skills, when we did legal writing, I have good legal writing, but I always want to be better at legal writing. So for me, that was a very excellent module to attend and get some insight into more writing skills. My favorite module was the leadership module because to me, <laughs> yes. Um, to me, the leadership module is something that law school might not necessarily prepare you for. They prepare you to be a good lawyer, but do they prepare you to be in leadership positions to make a difference, to change your community, to help others, um, to do whatever goals that you're trying to, to, to get to? Do they teach you those leadership skills? And the leadership skills module to me was my favorite because I saw people that looked like me doing the things that I want to do, being in leadership positions, and also it opened my eyes to all the leadership opportunities that Tampa basically has to offer. And if you don't know about certain things, you're never going to be able to be in those positions. And so all the leadership skills and all the leadership and development um, programs that there are all over Tampa Bay, not just for attorneys, but other um, sectors and areas in the community, all you have to do is know about them and once you know about them, you can put yourself in a position to get to that, to get to that point to be involved in those, in those um, programs. So that was great. And then um, the bar exam skills. <laughs> that was the last module that we had and going to that module, um, as one of the other scholars said, the biggest takeaway that I took from that was mindset and changing our mindsets and a lot of times we get so stuck and have blinders on and think that there's only one way to think about something but you should always be creative in your mind and think that's not the only way that we can think about it we can think about it in a different way whatever the case is and so that was one of the things that I felt um, was very impactful for me with that module especially but overall that first um, idea for me that I took away was practice. Practice everything that you think that you are not good at, practice it, and then you will become good at it. Um, the next biggest takeaway that I took from the Diversity Access Pipeline program was um, mentorship. Mentorship is extremely important. And I have a lot of mentors, a lot of attorney mentors in my life, Jocelyn now being another one of them. Um, and so for me, that for me, it's always uh, the idea of 
If you need help, ask for it. If you don't know something, ask somebody. Ask somebody who's done it. Ask somebody who knows how to do it. And putting yourself in a position to be with that person who can basically guide you through to where you want to go and what you want to be and what you want to accomplish. And so I took um, the idea of mentoring and also being a mentor and also being a mentee is extremely important for development. And a lot of times lawyers are always going to be a mentor because they love to hear themselves talk. So, (laughs) um, Finding somebody who's going to be that person that you can call, that you can depend on, that you can get advice from, that you can get insight from is extremely important, especially as baby attorneys. Um, I I didn't realize the importance of that um, until being in the program, and so that was my second biggest takeaway from it. And then the last big takeaway that I took from the program is initiative. And when I say initiative, I mean um, if you see something and there's a need, fill it. And overall, the reason why I took that away was because of Jocelyn. She saw that there was a need in the community for there to be a pool that can be pulled from when big law firms, um, big organizations or whatever they need diverse candidates, they need diverse people in positions that have insight into things that, to be honest, maybe old white guys might not know about. And so um, allowing for there to be a pool for for these organizations to pull from qualified good um, attorneys and candidates to be able to get into those positions, not only just as attorneys, but also in leadership, Um, And I truly, truly commend her for this because I I see myself in Jocelyn. And so I feel as though because she's been able to pull off what she's been able to pull off with this program, I see that I can do the same thing, too, in the future. I can come up with a program like this, maybe not for attorneys, but in another sector, um, in another way, but making sure that when you see that there is a need for something in the community um, and you see that there's a lack of something in your community and you feel like, well, I'll just wait for somebody else to do it. You don't have to wait for somebody else to do it. You can do it yourself. You can put it together and do it yourself. Find the support of people in the community that um, like your idea, have the same vision as you, and you can pretty much do anything that you put your mind to and you set a goal for it. So... Those are basically the three biggest takeaways that I took from the program. I'm very grateful to the program. I had a great time in the program. I made some friends in the program. And I feel that um, I really hope that the program continues to succeed and do really, really, really great things in the Tampa Bay community because it's definitely needed. And I feel that I can definitely be a part of DEP forever. So that's basically my presentation. Thank you. I thought, you know, that we could use something like that in Tampa Bay. And, um, but I said, well, who would run it? How would it be funded? Would the legal community embrace it? And uh, several months later, I realized I could run it don't need that many funds, and I will create it and they will come. 
And I went to one of my good friends because, again, imposter syndrome. I thought, I can't do this by myself. I need someone more experienced and more connected. I'll go to her, and I pitched it to her, and, you know, and she uh, politely declined <laughs> and went on to do great things. And then um, I was devastated, honestly, because I thought, I can't do this by myself. Um, but several months later, I started to read all these articles about how diversity in the legal community is, is falling behind, and women are leaving the law practice in large numbers, even though they're 50% of the students graduating. Um, people of color are feeling left out. They're, they're not able to pass the bar exam. They're having all these other issues. And I thought, um, you know, I think I can do this. I found renewed faith. And I saw an opportunity here in Florida and um, I went to the Florida Bar, they had a diversity grant, um, and Valeria Obi was so kind, as she stated earlier, I went to her and asked her, would you partner with me to do this? And she said, of course. And I thought, okay, I'll do all the work. <laughs> Just sign on the dotted line, and that's what she did. Um, and then I attended a, a conference of other bar leaders, people who encouraged me and said, you know, we need this, they all agreed that we need this, and someone should do something about it. And I guess that person was me. <laughs> So um, as Samaya um, stated, I met with her because I actually met Samaya when she was a law student interning, and I saw a lot of potential in her. And frankly, I heard a lot of comments because she wears hijab, and there were people who were scared of her being at the courthouse. And I thought, what chance is she going to have of getting a job if people are scared to even have her in the building? But she was outstanding. She really was. She is so intelligent, and I was so heartbroken to hear those comments. <clears throat> um, but as you can see, she's gone on and done great things. And so I knew she would understand what I was trying to do with the program, because she's been there. She's understood it. More than any of us, she stands out, especially during these times. And she does not let that stop her. She's gone forward, and she can share what she's learned with students coming after her. So with Sumeya's help, I was able to put together the um, interviews because all that group interview, essay writing, it was like a logic puzzle from the LSAT. Y'all remember that? Trying to organize everyone. And so she helped me out with that. And then I think two days before the deadline, I had one application. One. Aceta. <laughs> and I started to get nervous. I said, no one's going to apply. I made this too hard. I set the standards too Hi, will these millennial students rise to the occasion? And they did. And we got 10 applications, eight students showed up, and several of them are here today. And they impressed us so much. I was so glad um, to have Luis, who was unprepared, <laughs> get up and do it anyway, Nasita, and Brittany, and Jamima, and Brielle, and Tiffany. And I have been completely blown away by their participation, by their reflections. They've shared uh, their personal stories with me. They've shared some of it here today. And they've done an absolutely outstanding job. So I'm so glad that they took a chance on me, on this brand new program, and um, that they've set this wonderful example for something that we can grow on going forward. So thank you all for being here. Thank you to all our sponsors. They're in a the wonderful program. Um, thank you for all the love and the kind words. I really do appreciate it. Thank you so much for coming. I'd like to give a special thanks to all of our supporters 
especially our JD level sponsors, U.S. District Courts, Middle District of Florida's Bench Bar Fund, and Agape Christian Bar Preparation Services, Inc. for their generous support. I'd also like to thank WMU Cooley Law School, Tampa Bay Campus, for providing a space for the recording of several of the episodes of this podcast. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to another great episode of Journey to Esquire, the podcast. Support, share, subscribe. And for more, visit www.journeytoesquire.com. Welcome back to another great bonus episode from Journey to Esquire, the podcast. In this episode, we're going to hear the second part of the Diversity Access Pipeline, Inc.'s Pilot Programs Graduation Ceremony. You'll hear from three more students from the class of 2019, Asita Tori, Brielle Tucker, and Jamima Pierre-Zatren. And you will also hear the founders' closing remarks at the end of the graduation. Enjoy! Enjoy!